0: My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm gonna break down the entire UFC Vegas 71 fight card, giving you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. I'm also gonna give you 50 bucks. The only thing you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com bets, sign up with any one of our betting partners using our link, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It's affiliate marketing, right? They're gonna pay me. I'm gonna break off a piece of that, and I'm gonna give it back to you because we're all in this together. You're supporting me by watching, by becoming a premium member, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of a kickback for all of our affiliate stuff. So we want slash bets. Use our link, sign up, make a deposit. We will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Before I talk about UFC Vegas 71, let's quickly talk about UFC Kansas City. I lost money. I am down 0.3 units. A unit for me is $100. So I'm down 30 bucks on the night. That does suck. The safety parlay missed. That also sucks. That actually... For me, that sucks more, right? I prefer at least that hit week in and week out. The good news is the safety parlay is still up almost six units for 2023 alone. And we have never, literally never had a month where the safety parlay was net down. So if you just signed up this weekend and you tailed the safety parlay and it missed, I can almost guarantee you by the time your 30 days is up with premium membership, you're going to be up money on that safety parlay. It has never missed like that. The UFC Vegas 71 safety parlay is already up. And freaking Chris Gutierrez absolutely sucked. Bet-wise, Matos Nikolai was the only favorite that I straight bet. Everybody else was an underdog. So Peja Rodriguez was supposed to lose and she did. TJ Brown was supposed to and he did. Tanner Bozer was supposed to and he did. That was probably my worst read on the card. I was very confident in Tanner Bozer. Very confident, Tanner Bozer. I only bet a quarter of a unit, and that's why unit management is very, very important. So I only bet a quarter of a unit on Tanner there. Uh, Bozer Kudalaba, under two and a half, threw a unit on that. That was my most confident bet, that hit. And then Jillian Robertson wins inside the distance, decision, no action, that hit as well. But guys, premium membership is not just about the bets. I know a lot of you are here for the bets. Everybody wants to copy-paste the bet and then pay off their rent, pay their mortgage, do whatever they want to do. The reality is, premium membership has so much more to offer than just the bets. We have a whole suite of tools to help you find your spots. One of which is for DraftKings. We have a DraftKings optimizer, DraftKings information. I'm not gonna spend too much time here because you guys are here for the breakdown, not necessarily the DraftKings stuff, but we have the best ownership projections in the game. Period of inner story. This is an actual fact. It's not an opinion. Our margin of error was 3.37%. The next Closest was 3.5, and that service charges $100 a month, and it's only fantasy stuff. No betting. We have the best DraftKings ownership in the game. Josh, who does it for us, thank you, my man, pots and pans. But premium has... I mentioned tools, information. It's not just copy-paste bets. We're also bringing on more analysts. We have uh, Artem has now joined the team. He breaks down more than just UFC. He's going to give you PFL, Bellator, Cage Warriors, LFA, all of the other promotions as well. Check out his page. We have a Bellator and a PFL this week. And if you sign up using his code, Artem, he'll get credit. He'll get paid. We picks.com Become a member and you'll unlock things like the line movement tracker. Very important thing to note here. And I'll talk about it as we break down these fights. I have two bets on this card. One of them I already had no matter what. The other one I placed specifically because that person's line, they flipped from underdog to favorite. The last two weeks that has happened. I get it. Two weeks is not a large sample size. But the last two weeks that happened with Chris Curtis and then with uh, Jan Kutalaba, that person won, right? That person won. The person who opened as a dog, closed as a favorite, won the fight. I'm throwing 25 bucks at one of these people to see if that happens. Again, it's an experiment. You don't need the tail. But unlock the line movement tracker. It tells a lot of stories, helps you identify trends you can hop on or hop off. And we also have 38 columns of detailed data and metrics, again, to help you find spots. It is not just about copy-paste bets. The bets that I put on the board, the bets that Jacob puts on the board, that's what we do with our money. Your decisions might be different than mine. Mine are certainly different than Jacob's. We have bets that directly conflict with each other sometimes. So Go in, do your research, find your spots, check out our bets. If the bet makes sense after you've done a little bit of research, then go ahead and tag along. But if you completely disagree, don't just copy paste, use the tools, unlock the information, weonpicks.com. It's only $10 a month, a freaking month. You're gonna get four events out of that $10. You're gonna get all the tools, all the information, everything you have ever wanted at weonpicks.com, click become a member. Let's go ahead and break down this card. Listen, some of you who may not know I got a vasectomy on Friday. The bad news is they ripped my ball bag open and I got a vasectomy on Friday. The good news is I have done a lot of sitting. A lot of sitting. I am a week ahead on all of these cards. So I have all my notes, all my picks and everything a week out. But what this extra day of sitting around with nothing to do has done for me, it allowed me to go back and reanalyze my notes, relook at it, take a closer look so let's hope that this card is a phenomenal card pick and betting-wise. And opening up UFC Vegas 71, we have Brady Heistand taking on Bagarai Dana Bagarai Dana is a very good striker. He comes forward. He has volume, speed, power, and his speed is really impressive. He does a great job of beating most people right to the punch. His takedown defense is just okay at 66%, but he does scramble really well, which creates openings and gets him back to his feet. He's coming off that loss to Kyung Ho Kang where he fought hard for 3 rounds. He lost that fight, but he did not quit. No give up whatsoever. He just couldn't get past Kang's jab. He's taking on Brady Highstand, who's a pretty good wrestler. He does a really good job just sort of establishing position and then racking up control time. His boxing is just okay, and he can struggle with pressure on his feet. He has solid scramble skills and plenty of cardio. He's coming off that win over Fernie Garcia, where it was just clear that he was not the better striker, but he managed to work in takedowns and control. And this is a straight-up striker versus grappler. This is an old-school fight, right? They're both well-rounded. It's not 1996, But it's striker versus grappler. If Brady stands with Dana, then he's going to lose. And probably get finished, honestly. If Dana's gun-shy, he's too worried about the takedowns, and he really doesn't let his hands go, then he's probably going to be out-wrestled, held down for three minutes. Even though it was a loss, in Dana's last fight... He was impressive. He went hard for three full rounds. He just never stopped working. If he brings that exact same energy here, he should dominate the striking. And if he gets taken down, he's going to continue to work, continue to scramble, to continue to get back up. is going to be the pick here. I don't expect him to spend a ton of time on his back, but I do think he'll be taken down. So is going to be the pick. No bet just yet. I'm going to watch that line movement and see. And maybe I'll just go with one of those prop bets that we love so much. The more takedowns or the over takedown line on Brady. Then we have Priscilla Kachera taking on Karina Silva. Priscilla Kuchera is a powerful striker. She's got heavy pressure and she throws heavy punches. She does have okay takedown defense at 65%, but a very low takedown accuracy at 33%. She's got very real power for this division, but she can be KO or bust. If you look at the stats, you will notice Priscilla's striking differential is about four to seven, which means for every four significant strikes she's landing on somebody, she is hit seven times. If you look at most of her losses, she was dominated on her feet, right? There's a couple where there was grappling, but for the most part, she was dominated on her feet. Her opponents that beat her striking double her strikes. She's coming off the first round knockout win over Ariana Lipsky, because Priscilla will always be live with that power. She's taking on Karina Silva, who's a powerful grappler. She's constantly working for a submission, both from top and bottom. She has 15 wins with 15 stoppages, and those are a mixed bag of ground and pound. And submissions. She's going to plot forward with just sort of a tight guard on her feet. Throw a 30, 30, 30, 30, flurry of punches. I'm telling you, sitting on frozen peas for three days starts to mess with your brain after a while. Anyway, Karina Silva is going to plot forward. She's got the tight guard. She's going to throw a flurry of punches to rush in and then body clinch or cage work you to the ground. From there, once she's on the ground, she's working for positions and then submissions. Occasionally she'll chase and end up losing an exchange altogether because of it, but she is coming off that submission win over Pollyanna Batelho in her UFC debut. Right now, Karina's a solid favorite at minus 160, and that honestly feels about right. We know Priscilla can struggle with grapplers like she did against Jillian Robertson. We know Karina is tough on her feet and has solid takedowns to get it to the ground. So Karina's gonna be the pick. The bet is likely does not go the distance, right? I either see Karina submitting Priscilla or getting gassed early, and then Priscilla's power is gonna take over when Karina's shots get sloppy. Similar to what we saw with a couple of prospects at UFC 287, right? Comes out early, flurry, 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 never really been the distance, almost gets a finish, doesn't get a finish, slows down. So we're either going to see Karina finish this fight early with a submission or Priscilla survive and then just come bombing away and get a late stoppage. So it may be a rare under two and a half female fight line here, but Karina Silva is definitely the pick. Then we got Francis Marshall taking on William Gomez. Francis Marshall has had some incredible line movement. This dude was a massive favorite. I think he opened at minus 400, and now he's in the minus 100s. Gigantic line movement. He's still a favorite, but that tightened very quickly and check out the line movement tracker to not only see this trend but the line movement trends for every single one of the fights on this card we have two different fights where an underdog has become a favorite and then we have fights like this where the line dramatically moved even though it still stayed with the favorite as the favorite we on picks.com is ten dollars to unlock every literally everything including the live movement tracker but we got francis marshall taking on william gomez francis is a heavy handed grappler. He comes forward. He's got power, speed, and he sets up traditional takedowns with his grappling. He's comfortable striking, but almost too comfortable, right? He's going to keep his hands low. He's going to throw out long jabs and hooks. When he shoots, they are well-timed, and they're just loaded with energy, right? He's going to run through doubles he's young in his career he is hit more than he should be but he does do a nice job of sort of baiting you into striking exchanges and then shooting those blast doubles he's coming off that knockout win over Marcelo Rojo where he didn't land more total or significant strikes but it was clear that he just had more power in his hands that Marcelo did William Gomez this is an interesting guy to break down because he's a well-rounded prospect he's constantly working for a finish. He can knock you out. He could submit you. He can outwork you. And it's hard to label him as any one thing because he's just genuinely good everywhere. He's got solid Muay Thai striking. He's a very opportunistic grappler where he's just going to snatch things up and scrambles. The criticism on him, though, is that he can be low volume at times and he looks to counter. If you come charging forward, he's going to back up. He's going to counter and he could probably catch you. But if you wait... Then he's going to wait, too, and you guys are just going to be staring at each other in the middle of the cage. He's coming off the decision win over Jarno Evans, where he had three takedowns and eight minutes of control time. It's going to be a fun fight. We have two young prospects that I'm honestly surprised the UFC is matching up this early, right? They're they're young prospects. They're both exciting. Both of these guys, if they are managed well, could be ranked by this time next year. But instead, one of them is going to get their first UFC loss. Odds have Francis as the favorite, like minus 180, something to that effect. I mentioned he opened at minus 400, so it did tighten. I do agree Francis should be the favorite here. We know he has insane power in his hands. We know he can wrestle. And we know he's not gun-shy. So Francis is the pick. I'm undecided if I'm going to do anything with him there. Uh, because Gomez does have that sneaky power and the counter-striking I think Francis is going to win this fight. I may throw him in some bets or even some small parlays. My only concern is Francis is going to come charging in with that power. And then he's going to get clipped. William Gomez's is counter striking is going to catch him on the way in. But Francis is absolutely the pick. Then we have Muhammad Uzman taking on Junior Taffa. Both of these guys, you recognize the last names. These are their younger brothers. Kamara Usman's younger brother taking on Justin Taffa's younger brother. And this is one of the two fights on the card where the underdog has flipped to full on favorite. Junior Taffa opened at plus 100. He was the underdog. Muhammad Umaz, Usman was the minus 120 favorite. Junior Taffa is now the minus 195 favorite. And this is where that line movement tracker is so important. You can see that movement. If you just showed up, Looked at the odds, broke down the fight. You wouldn't even recognize that that line completely flipped. You would just see, oh, Junior's a big favorite here. So, anyway, let's go ahead and break this down. We have Muhammad Usman. He's Kamaro Usman's younger brother and his much larger brother. He doesn't have that same wrestling background as Kamaru does, but it is clear that athleticism runs in that family because Muhammad was a standout football player who did transition to MMA a little later in life. Style-wise, he's not really great at any one particular thing, right? Imagine a college football player who transitioned to MMA. He's just really athletic. And he's got a ton of power. He's very explosive. He is composed considering he's somewhat new to MMA. He'll sit behind a jab and he'll methodically work his way forward. He has very real power. He can stay tough on the other end as well, meaning you can beat him up and he's not just going to quit on you. He's coming off that tough finale win over Zach Pauga, where he was a step behind the entire fight. He was getting touched up, he was a step behind, and then he landed that big knockout punch. And he's taking on Junior Taffa. This is Justin Taffa's younger brother. He's a nasty kickboxer with power, footwork, and a willingness to to engage. He's essentially the 2.0 version of his brother. He has that same power, the same chin, but he's faster, more athletic, and much more technical. The big question is going to be his wrestling defense. He's currently undefeated in MMA, but if you watch his fight against Nicholas Djurjevic, he was taken down. He was controlled. He did eventually get up and get the knockout, but those are the concerns, right? You have a high-level kickboxer with insane power and a chin. But can he defend takedowns, and can he get back up? And that's going to be the big question in this fight, because Tafa should win. He's a fast, athletic heavyweight with a professional striking background. Usman's stand-up was not good in his last fight, and yeah, he did land that big one-punch power. But if Usman is going to get touched up in this fight by Tafa the same way he was touched in his last fight against Piuga, he would get put out. He's straight up going to get put out. With that being said, we have seen Usman wrestle before, and we've even seen his wrestling evolve from just bending over and grabbing somebody's legs to actually lowering his level and shooting. Tafa's a good size favorite here. He's minus 195. That bounced all the way up to minus 230 at one point. You would assume he's got an incredible amount of takedown defense and that it was impeccable, but it's just so dicey. It is so dicey to bet on a 4-0 guy who we don't know if he can defend a takedown against just the sort of a beast of a person who isn't a great wrestler but does have their own takedown. So listen, I did bet on Junior Taffa here. And I did it because of the line movement tracker. Don't just copy-paste the bet. I even put the note in premium. It's basically an experiment. I threw 25 bucks on Junior Taffa. At UFC 287, Kelvin Gastelum, opened as an underdog, closed as a favorite, won that fight. At UFC Kansas City, Tanner Bozer, opened as the favorite, closed as the underdog, lost that fight, right? Yanku was the one who flipped. I'm going to ride that train. We're going to see what happens. It's only two fights. It's not a very large sample size. This isn't science. We're going to go ahead and ride that train, see what happens. I do 25 bucks on Junior Tafa at minus 195. The reality is he can win this fight. The reality is he should win this fight. But if Usman starts wrestling, we're going to have some problems, right? What are the rules? Don't bet on heavyweights. Don't bet on women. I did it. I did it because of the line movement tracker. We're going to test the tools. I'm going to use my own tools. We're going to test those out. If you want to check out the line movement tracker, go to wewantpicks.com and unlock it now for only $10 a month. That and literally everything else we do. So the official pick is going to be Junior Taffa. It is a sketchy pick. The odds are a little wide, but I'm riding with the line movement tracker to identify that trend and uh, we'll see if it's going to work. Using my own tools, put my money where my mouth is. Then we got Carol Rosa taking on Norma Dumont. Carol Rosa is just an okay striker technique-wise, but she does have a ton of volume and she is willing to trade. She is a decision fighter with solid takedown offense and defense. She has 10 takedowns in six UFC fights and a solid 72% takedown defense. She's coming off the win over Lena Landsberg where she was dropped but worked in her grappling to get that win. Norma Dubon's a very good striker. She's relaxed and patient in the cage. Her striking is technical, and she did have a 100% takedown defense before she was taken down six times by Macy Chasson. If you look at her strike differential, she lands about four significant strikes per minute and takes two in return. On top of her technical striking, she also has solid grappling. Her takedowns aren't great, but she does have seven takedowns in six UFC fights. She's coming off that dominant win over professional boxer Danielle Wolfe. And this is a pretty straightforward card, right? This isn't UFC Kansas City. UFC Kansas City, if you remember my bets, I had four Moneyline bets. Three of them were on underdogs. This card is very, very different. I'm very confident in pretty much all the favorites on this card. I do have a few underdogs I like, including this one. I like Norma Dumont here. She's sitting at plus 125 right now, and I'm surprised, right? Because Carol Rosa is definitely a gamer, and we did just see her out-grapple Lena, but we also watched her get dropped. And while Norma isn't the most powerful striker, she should be the better striker. Carol has the much higher volume, but she's also hit twice as often. It's a close fight. But I trust Norma's size. She's super big. I trust her takedown defense and her striking acumen to get it done. So Norma Dumont, underdog pick on this card. I think she's going to pull off the upset over Carol Rosa. Another fight. She opened at a much bigger underdog than she is now. So the line has tightened. Use that freaking line movement tracker to identify those trends. Then we got Ronnie Yaya coming back after more than a year away. And he's taking on Montel Quick. Jackson, Ronnie Yanya is an incredible grappler. He's got high-level BJJ. He has almost 40 professional fights, and he has been around long enough to develop other skills as well. But grappling is, without a doubt, his bread and butter. He's relentless with takedown attempts, but he's only 24% accurate, right? So he's just shooting takedown after takedown after takedown, but getting... One out of four, essentially. He still manages to get almost three per fight on average, though. He's taking on Montel Jackson, who's also a good wrestler in his own right with solid striking and legitimate power. He's pretty good everywhere and has a resume full of knockouts, decisions, and even some submissions. His takedown accuracy is impressive at 71%, with an average of more than three per fight himself. He's coming off a dominant win over Julio Arce, where he couldn't get his takedowns going, but his striking looked really clean. This is a very easy Montel Jackson pick. He should be able to defend every single one of those takedown attempts from Ronnie and then just absolutely light him up on the feet. People like Ronnie will always be live for a submission, but without the offensive wrestling to get this where he wants it to be, he's going to have no control over his fate. None. He, In order to get on the ground, he's going to have to hope that Montel Jackson shoots the takedown. So Montel Jackson, easy win. You should be able to parlay him and uh, off to the races with that. Then we got Ricky Glenn taking on Christos Gallegos. Ricky Glenn's a volume striker who stands tall and marches forward, but still stays out of the pocket. He's got legit power, and he is a threat early in any fight. But if you stay in his face and you keep that fight dirty, he can have some issues. He's coming off that draw to Grant Dawson, where he lost the first two rounds and then threw up a big-time 10-8 round in the third to tie that up. He's taking on Christos Gallegos, who's a grappler and like Ricky Glenn, has proven that he is never out of a fight. His grappling is solid and he does have some tricks up his sleeves. His striking can definitely use a little bit of work and he does have a negative striking differential, but he's fast, he's unorthodox, and he wings those punches. He's coming off the submission loss to Thiago Moises about a year ago. And this is a tough fight to break down because neither one of these guys are particularly active, and we have seen holes in both of their games. Christos could come forward and get the takedowns the same way that Ricky Glenn's last opponent did. But I do think that Ricky's striking will be so much better here that Christos is going to struggle to get to the legs. Ricky's going to be the pick because of that striking gap, right? I think Ricky's just so much better on the feet than Christos is on the ground, But we all know he also has some solid submission defense. So if he is taken down, we should be good to go. No bet here. We got two inactive guys who haven't really seen a win in a couple of years. But Ricky Glenn is going to be the pick. I think his striking is going to be better. His takedown defense is not great. But his submission defense should be good enough to keep him alive. We have Jeremiah Wells taking on Matt Semi-Semmelsberger, and Jeremiah Wells now has three fights in the UFC with three stoppage wins. He's a well-rounded guy who showcases striking with a knockout over Court McGee and Worley Alves, and then he showcases striking with a takedown and submission over Mike Theta. Blood Diamond. He fights like a big, powerful striker with explosive hands, but what everyone forgets is that he is a BJJ black belt, and he's an accomplished one at that, He throws wild and with intent, but the reality is that a lot of that is there to set up the takedowns and the BJJ. He's coming off the early first-round knockout win over the always-durable Court McGee. He's taking on Matt Semelsberger, who's an aggressive striker who marches forward. He's got solid leg kicks and body work. He has power, but he gets most of his finishes just with raw grit and forward pressure. The marching forward can wilt a lot of opponents who don't like that pressure, but can also get him in trouble. He's coming off that very gritty win over Jake Matthews where he worked in three takedowns and had an incredible three knockdowns as well. And I think Jeremiah wins this fight, but I have learned my lesson betting against Matt Semelsberger. The dude is tough as hell. He has power. He can wrestle. And he's not just Someone you get out of there. You can't just get him out of there super quick. But Jeremiah is going to be the pick here. He has just as much power as anybody. He should be more technically sound on the feet. And he should have better BJJ. His wrestling defense is going to be the concern here. Because of, you know, dealing with Matt's relentless pressure. And Matt does have his own takedowns when he wants them. So the wrestling defense will be the concern for Jeremiah. He's on the board at 100% right now. Hasn't truly been tested. We're going to see here. But... Wells is going to be the pick. I think he's actually solid value at minus 135. I'm just a coward because Matt Semmelsberger has made fools out of people in the past, just like he did with people who bet on Jake Matthews. So Jeremiah Wells is the pick. Minus 135 seems like very good value, but I got my vasectomy and they may have taken out my manhood as well because I don't have the balls to bet on him here, but I'm going to pick him to win. Then we have Eisman Lucindo taking on Brogan Walker. Eisman Lucindo is a grappler who uses her power to clinch and drag her opponents to the ground. Once on the ground, she's got solid top pressure where she uses strikes to loosen you up before transitioning to submissions. Her striking's just okay, right? She essentially just waits for you to throw and then she counters and then rushes in and looks for takedowns. Her game plan is always to get on top and control the fight there. She's coming up a loss in her UFC debut where she just could not get that grappling going. She's taking on Brogan Walker. She's coming off the ultimate fighter where she lost in the finale, but she has been a professional since 2014, and it's not just that she's been fighting for a long time, right? She's fought some very high-level people on the regional scene as well. Style-wise, Brogan is a grappler, but while she got her BJJ black belt three years ago, if you watch any interviews with her, she's pretty outspoken. She considers herself a striker at heart, and she's well-rounded enough to fight anywhere. This is her opinion, not mine. She is coming off that tough finale loss to Juliana Miller where she was taken down and beat up. When I watch these fights live, I take notes, right? I have the the same spreadsheet I'm looking at now with all of my details and information. I take notes, right? Last night I watched UFC Kansas City and I'm taking notes on everything that's happening. My notes for Brogan Walker from her last fight are literally, I didn't edit these, awful. Has no takedown defense. How did she beat Miranda Maverick? Those are my notes on Brogan Walker. So based on those notes, you can guess the pick here. I'm going to Eisman. I think she gets the takedowns and does whatever the hell she wants to do on the ground. Similar to what Juliana just did. Eisman did struggle getting her takedowns going in her last fight, but that was a much tougher fight. And I don't think she's going to have those same issues here. Eisman's definitely the pick, 100% the pick. She should beat the absolute piss out of Brogan Walker. I'm going to wait for the props to drop and see what we can do here. This is another... Uh, We could potentially have ourselves an under two and a half female fight here. So we'll see what those look like. Uh, I'll probably wait for those props to officially get some action on this fight. But Eisman Lucindo should absolutely dominate here. I don't know if you're comfortable parlaying women's MMA, but if you are, Lucindo's the one to do it. Then we got Bobby King Green taking on Jared Gordon. Bobby Green is a busy striker. We've talked about him a million times. He's got that Roy Jones Jr. showboat style with his hands at his waist. He's got great volume, incredible defense, and slick wrestling as a backup plan. He has 10 knockouts under his belt, but for the most part, it's not really one punch knockout power. Obviously, we've seen some of that, but it's typically just pressure, accuracy, activity, and he wears you down and then gets the stoppage a little bit later. He's only two and three in his last five, but those losses are to Drew Dober where he won the first round, Islam Makachev on short notice, and then Rafael Fizaev where Bobby rallied and then won that third round. He's taking on Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon's a good wrestler with solid pressure and striking. He bounces between featherweight and lightweight, and you can see that size difference in some of these matchups. He's got solid volume striking, and he likes to come forward in flurries before looking for a takedown. He averages more than two takedowns per fight, but he can be out grappled like he was against Grant Dawson. And Joe Selecki. He's coming off the controversial loss to Patty Pimblett. Where the striking was basically even according to the stats. And then he had three takedowns and six minutes of control time. A lot of people, myself included, think Jared Gordon won that Patty Pimblett fight. But this is Bobby all day. He's going to be the much better striker. He's got a 72% takedown defense that has been tested by some of the best in the division. Even in his recent loss to Drew Dober where Bobby's chin finally gave out, right? We finally saw that Bobby Green does not have an invincible chin. He still won that first round and he still looked good before getting caught. Jared doesn't have that same one-punch knockout power that some others do, not to mention he's undersized for lightweight. So I like Bobby here. Even though he's on a two-fight skid, he should dominate this fight. He should be a good parlay piece. He's got the takedown defense. He's got the much better striking. And Jared doesn't necessarily have that big one-punch knockout power to get Bobby out of there. So Bobby is the pick, and I think he's a safe parlay piece. Then we got Brad Tavares taking on Bruno Silva. And I have a soft spot for Bruno Silva. So let's see if that's going to affect my pick here. But he's taking on Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares is a tried and true entity at 185 pounds. He's 14 and seven in the UFC. And his losses are to upper echelon guys like Yoel Romero, Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, recently everybody's favorite African. He's a solid striker with very good takedown defense at 80%. And he's got that Hawaiian fighting spirit. He's always going to come forward. He's never going to stop. He's not really dangerous anywhere, but he's very well-rounded. And he is impossible to get out of a fight. He's taking on Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva is a very well-rounded fighter. He has proved to be talented. He's proved to be tough. Before his two-fight skid that he's on right now, he had three knockouts in the UFC. He's a fantastic striker. He's got solid BJJ. He managed to take down Alex Bejeda twice in a decision loss. And most recently, he was dropped and then submitted by Gerald Mearshart. We talked about Bruno Silva a lot the fight week for UFC 287 when we were breaking down Gerald Mearshart. And the consensus from the community was that Alex broke Bruno. He isn't the same anymore. And that's what you guys think, right? That's what the comments were. That's what the live chats were, that Bruno Silva was broken by Alex Pajeda and he's just not the same person anymore, which is how somebody like Gerald Mearshart was even able to hang with him, and survive. And that actually is what makes this fight so tricky because I like Bruno, right? I think just raw talent-wise, Bruno should win this fight. He has takedowns. He's got power. He does have cardio, but he actually did look like a broken man against Mearshard. So the question becomes, do I judge him off of that one fight or his greater body of work? And it's so tricky because when your worst performance was your last fight, it's so hard to say, well, that's just who he is now. Or no, he had a bad night, right? It's one, it's fifteen minutes. His whole career can't be defined by actually eleven minutes, whatever that fight was. So, I'm still gonna ride with Bruno here. I think Bruno can get the win. He does have a lot of power. He's got the BJJ. He's got. He said he has all the things. And Brad Tavares isn't particularly amazing at one single thing. Bruno Silva is gonna be the pick. I'm not touching it with bets. You shouldn't either unless you are full-bone Bruno is a broken man camp. If you're there, then all in on Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares has proven to us that he will go out there every single fight and work his ass off for your money. I'm on the Bruno side. I'm going with talent. I'm not judging him off his last fight. I think if the Bruno Silva that fought Alex Bejeda, that exact same guy fights Brad Tavares, that guy wins. Not to mention all the people Bruno knocked out before that. So Bruno's my pick by all means. Don't tail, do your own research. It is definitely sketchy at this point. We got the co-main event of the evening, Yadong Song taking on Ricky Simone. Yadong Song's a technical striker who moves really well. He's fast, he hits hard, and he's athletic but he's hittable at almost four significant strikes absorbed per minute. He throws everything with power, but that does leave him open for takedowns. He has okay submission defense, but he's very good at creating space and getting back to his feet. He does like to dictate that pace, but doing that against a grappler like Ricky is going to be a hard task. He's coming off that stoppage loss to Corey Sanhagen, where that fight was 2-2 to going into the fifth, so he could have potentially squeaked out a win there, but he was stopped. He's taking on Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone is a high-energy wrestling beast. This guy's going to dive at leg after leg with 100% energy over and over until he gets a takedown and potentially a submission. His biggest asset is his gas tank and his willingness to stick to a plan. He's not a technical striker, but it is there to set up his takedowns. He was able to showcase his power against Rafael Asuncao and most recently against Jack Short where he dropped Jack And then hopped on him and got that submission. The only thing preventing me from just going all in, right? From just mortgaging my house and going all in on Ricky Simone is the fact that Song is at Team Alpha Male, right? He's getting those wrestling looks from all the little guy wrestlers in the UFC. All the little boy better wrestlers are at Team Alpha Male and Song's getting those looks. So he's going to be 100% prepared to defend shot after shot from Ricky. The question becomes, is that enough? Does it matter, right? Does it matter that Yadong is training nonstop takedown defense? And I don't think it does. I think Ricky is just going to keep coming and keep shooting over and over and over again. I think Ricky is going to get this done. I've got a half a unit on him at minus 137. I do think it's going to be the wrestling pace, the wrestling pressure that's going to do it. Even if Song defends a few takedowns, I see him on his back foot the entire time. And judges hate that. Judges hate that. So, Ricky's going to be the pick. I've already got the bet on him. I had the bet on him before I looked at the line movement tracker. But for note, this is the second fight on the card where the underdog has flipped to favorite. Ricky Simone was a plus money underdog. He has full-blown fit. He is now an actual favorite. So, We've seen that trend working. We've got two fights on this card. If that continues, then that's going to be something we're going to do a lot with going forward. But unlock that line movement tracker now. It's only $10 a month. You're going to get that, the detailed data, the metrics, everything that we offer for only freaking $10 a month. You get four events for that, so have at it. Anyway, Ricky's the pick. I got that half a unit on him at minus 137. Then we have the main event of the evening. We got a couple of big boys. We have wrestler versus striker. It's just literally... That simple. We got Sergey Pavlovich, one of the hardest hitters in the division, taking on Curtis Blades, the best wrestler in the division. Period. End of story. Sergey, he's a beast. He's mostly boxing, right? He's not throwing a lot of kicks, but he has incredible power, incredible speed for a heavyweight. His striking volume is impressive. Look at that number. He's landing eight significant strikes per minute. He does trust his chin. He'll hang out in the pocket and he'll bomb away. Trusting his chin can be a problem in some matchups, though, because... It's not going to last forever, especially at heavyweight. His speed is going to keep him one step ahead of Blades on the feet for sure. He has zero takedowns in the UFC, and he has only been taken down one single time so far. And that was by Alistair Overeem, actually. But that's going to get tested. That's going to get tested because Curtis Blades is a fantastic wrestler. He averages more than six takedowns per fight. He's a heavyweight who wrestles like a welterweight. He's got fast Clean entries with double legs. And when he touches those legs, he sprints. He runs right through you Jordan Burrow style. But as much as we give him credit for his wrestling, his hands are solid too. He just knocked out Chris Dawkins. He doubled Chris' to strikes in the first round, then knocked him out clean in the second with zero takedown attempts. He's coming up that win over Tom Aspinall. That's going to say TKO on Topology, sure, dog, wherever you go. But the reality is that was a freak leg injury So it was almost as if Curtis didn't fight at all. That that doesn't count. You can't look at that and be like, wow, he knocked out Aspinall because that's not what happened. These odds are honestly a little wide considering what we have here because Curtis can absolutely wrestle the shit out of Sergei Pavlovich and win the decision. That that is a very real possibility, and that's why he's the favorite. But he can also be put out cold, right? With Francis and Ngocnu gone. Sergey Pavlovic is the most dangerous striker in this division. Curtis has three losses in the UFC. All three of them were knockout losses, and this could look exactly like Blades versus Lewis, where Derek was just waiting, just waiting with that big uppercut and just lit Blades up. Or it could look like Blades versus Volkov, where he had an insane fourteen takedowns. I gotta go Curtis though. Curtis has to be the pick because the wrestling threat is unbelievably real. Unbelievable. Real. There's no chance I'm betting on this fight. I'm not betting it. And I've been picking the last couple of main events correct but refusing to bet them. This is hopefully going to be another one, right? I think Chris Curtis is going to get it done. I think he's going to shoot the takedowns over and over and over. Sergey's going to be live as hell for a minute, two minutes, three minutes, the first round. And then the wrestling is going to wear on him. His arms are going to fill up. He's going to get exhausted. He's not going to let his hands go. And if Curtis Blades survives the first round or two, that's it. Curtis Blades is going to run away with this, if it even gets that far. Curtis Blades is going to be the pick, but holy crap, is it going to be sketchy. And he's going to be very nervous every single time he lowers his level. Let me know what you think on this main event or what you think the pick should be. I get it. Sergey Pavlovic, the most dangerous striker. Curtis Blades, three losses, three knockouts, right? That tells a perfect story. But Curtis Blades shooting whatever he wants to do getting those takedowns, running through people. It's going to be a really fun heavyweight fight. I'm not betting it, but Curtis Blades is absolutely going to be the pick. Guys, don't forget, we are more than just copy-paste bets. This isn't some random Patreon with a list of bets that you're going to pay your mortgage off. There's so much content and so much value for our premium members. First of which... We do a full slate of DraftKings stuff. We do ownership projections. We have a DraftKings optimizer. We do player rankings, all that stuff. Our ownership projections, I don't give it enough credit. We are the best in the industry. We're better than roto grinders. We're better than all of these massive companies that literally charge hundreds of dollars. Our number is better. It's a straight up fact. An absolute fact. For UFC Kansas City, we had a 3.37% margin of error. The next closest was 3.5, and that is in a very expensive service. That service is, I think, around $100 a month to unlock all of their stuff. And our premium also has a new look and feel. We've taken me, Jacob, and we've added Artem, and we've separated our content out so each one of us could have our own unique information and takes. Artem, for example, brings us more than just UFC he's going to break down PFL, Bellator, LFA, Cage Warriors, and all of the other regional show. This week, we have a Bellator and a PFL. Make sure you check out Artem's page to get those breakdowns, get those bets and information for those events. And if you sign up for premium using the code Artem, he's going to get paid. He gets credit for all of those signups. Don't forget about the line movement tracker. I talked about that so much on this card because, frankly, the line movement tracker should have been my red flag alert the last two cards. The last two cards, I bet on somebody who opened as a favorite and closed on an underdog and they lost. I'm finding the opposite of those spots this week with the line movement tracker. And guys, we have so much data, so much information, and so many tools for you to find your own spots. We have a 38-column spreadsheet of detailed data and metrics with conditional formatting. Green is good. Red is bad. And just work your way across. Find your spots. Do your research Every single one of these things is available instantly when you unlock premium membership at wewantpicks.com. And of course, I will send you $50. If you had a rough couple of weeks, well, let's make up for it. I'll send you five months of premium membership through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com bets and sign up with any one of our betting partners using our link. Sign up, make a deposit. I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Guys, join the Discord. Discord's 100% free. Join the Discord. Yuck it up. Share your picks. Share your insight. We're building a community. There's a bunch of people that do exactly what I do that hate my guts because we're doing it much better. Ignore that crap. Join the discord. Join the community. It is the best community in MMA, period.